Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski here with my favorite co-host in the world, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Good. We're going to talk about one of the best and most important festivals in Toronto, and it's uh, it goes goes for a lengthy amount of time, which is always a bonus because you get to see a lot of different stuff. And if you somehow don't know that the Inside Out LGBTQ Film Festival is opening tonight with Rocket Man, of all things, that's a coup, then you guys have to get back on some sort of radar because you're missing out. Rocket Man is opening the festival tonight with three screenings. That's how big of a deal this is. It just it got lots of raves. Yeah, the buzz has been fantastic for yeah, the Yeah, from Can. It just it just played Can and it's it's now it's playing Inside Out LGBTQ Film Festival opening night. So this is a really big deal. For a really big deal of a festival. Like this festival's been going on for a long time and for good reason. It's gotten bigger and it just encompasses all kinds of different kinds of storytelling, different such an array of stuff. And I really hope that you get to see at least something from the festival. It's, uh, so it starts tonight, and it's running until June the 2nd, so really no excuses. Uh, go to insideout.ca for more specific details about the festival. Courtney and I have seen some films, and we're feeling pretty enthusiastic about them. Do you want to start us off with the first one? Sure. The first one is a film that I believe played um, Sundance earlier this year. I think it even might have been part of the Sundance Labs, and that's a film... It did, it did play Sundance. It's a film entitled Before You Know It, and it's directed by Hannah Pearl-Ut. And it's a film about, I guess you could say, about a dysfunctional family. Um, but not, ha- a, not a, in a bad way. Not in a bad well, In most, a quirky way. Yeah, most... Films nowadays, dysfunctional families aren't bad. They're just misunderstood. <laughs> misunderstood. I, I see this as a cast of characters. <laughs> yes, that, and that is definitely true. And it and it follows the lead, Rachel, who's played by Hannah Perlot. And she's a woman who is basically trying to get her own life off the ground. And, you know, at the beginning, when it opens, you see her on a date, but she's ashamed to bring her date back home because she lives over a a theater that her family owns and she just happens to live with her family. So she lives with her playwright father who's played by Mandy Patingen, um, her sister who's an actress and it's all, she's played by Jen Tulloch, who's one of the co-writers of the film. And then there's also, um, her, her niece. niece, her 12 yeah. year old niece. So it's a cramped, cramped house. And through a series of events, the father unfortunately passes away, and the sisters discover a lot of secrets, one of which is that the theater that they hope to put on his final play is desperately losing money, and also that there's a mysterious owner who they find out is actually the mother that they thought was deceased. And not only is their mother actually alive, which they didn't realize, but their mother's also a famous soap actress played by Judith Light. <laughs> And from there, you see as the daughters go on a quest to find their mother, um, try to take care of some legal documents, try to save the theater. And there's also a whole subplot of them going on this journey and completely abandoning the niece who's having her own coming of age issues. And And dealing with it in a really interesting way. Yeah, and dealing with it in an interesting way. And then you just see a bunch of interesting characters that they interact with. So there's like a, a... questionable therapist played by Alec Baldwin <laughs> and uh, there's a 
an accountant single father played by Mike Coulter, who I guess some people would know as Luke Cage from the Netflix series. And they all just kind of intertwine as these two sisters are trying to find themselves in, in this crazy world. Yeah, and and uh, what I really appreciated was the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a great story, but I think it's it's very character-driven. Not but. I don't want to say but. And. Yeah. And it's very character-driven, which um, she really establishes these characters very quickly. And in, in all the films that I saw, that is something. Family is something that came up, positive family relationships, and also quirky characters and their interactions. And it's sort of like it, it's relatable. Yes. Even if you didn't grow up in you know, a showbiz family and you don't have those specific kinds of concerns or, or interactions, the whole you know, dynamic between sisters, dynamic between the kid and her mother, getting fr- the kid getting frustrated with her mother, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody being frustrated with grandpa, and uh, this mother that they're trying to, this stranger basically that they're trying to connect with for financial reasons. But then there's also, you know, these emotional needs that everyone, you know, it starts off with Rachel needing space. She can't even invite a date back home. But it it really comes, becomes something more about everybody's trying to figure out their space and their place in the scheme of things. And I really appreciate Really, really appreciated these characters for that. Yeah, everyone's kind of stuck in their own various ruts. Yeah, um, and it's and it's interesting because I found it's a very funny film. Like the, I thought the script is is quite good, and mm-hmm. it uses humor to touch on so many different themes. Like obviously the theme of family. There's a lot of issues of abandonment I found in this film with the the sisters don't really have time to grieve when you actually think about it with their no, father's life because yeah. they're now having to deal with all the feelings and emotions that their mother, you know, realizing their mother's still alive and the many years that she was gone when they needed her most. And then even with um, the accountant's daughter who befriends the niece, she has issues with, you know, her mother passing away and the niece is upset that her mother is never reliable. Like there's just a lot of various generations of people who have been disappointed by their parents and kind of left on their own Mm -hmm. and the ramifications. So I thought that was really interesting. My only minor complaint was that I found the film to be a little too episodic at times in some of the situations. That's what I appreciated about it. it. It's, it's still enjoyable. Like the Alec Baldwin's two segments that he's in, I thought were hilarious. But then at the same time, I was like, there's not, it felt also a little too contrived just to put that scene in there. I'm happy that I got to to witness it, but thinking back to the films, like that film, the film would have been just as enjoyable if they didn't have that moment there or how they get onto the set, for example, and um, Rachel, they're trying to track down their mother for the first time. And Rachel ends up in this really, this casting call situation. Mm-hmm. And she, um, the actor believes that she, she's the, the line partner. And starts to get a little grabby as the scene requires, and like moments like that, they were amusing. But I kept thinking, if I took that scene out, would the film still be as enjoyable? And for me, it, it was. But I just thought it was just a little too episodic at times. But I still recommend it. I think actually, it's a great film. Actually, if if I could just uh, sure, go ahead. say uh, how um, I'm a little bit the opposite of mm-hmm. what you just said, I I found those. Um, th- there's a lot of stuff in the film that adds uh, adds to the humor. That it's sort of um, the atmosphere. It creates a certain as- atmosphere in mm-hmm. and around 
the film that adds to the main thing that's going on, basically. And that's what um, I found that scenes like that did. They added to to the sense of the crazy world. This, yeah. this uh, it's it's a world of of human foibles. It's it's a world. It's sort of a send up, and it's yes. a send up also of neuroses. This 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 whole thing is full of neurotic people, but all in a way that I could at least, and I don't think I'm you know. I think that the, the, these neuroses are all relatable. Yes, Just to are. have this crazy therapist in there, to have this crazy situation where it's a different level of artistry, right? She's used to the theater world. It's not the same in the TV world. So she butts up against the realities of, you know, mm-hmm. it sort of fills in sort of the world that her mother's been occupying. So, And I'll say that Judith Leith, um, Judith Leigh is fantastic. Absolutely, in this yeah. film. She's always she's always been like a, a really great actress, but I feel like this is like a, a another resurgence for her. There's a yeah. whole new generation that's going to discover her in this film, and this is a perfect film to uh, yeah. to get on the train for. So, yeah, this film's a lot of fun, and uh, I really well made. Like, I, you know, the the performances are solid. And I like the episodic structure. Mm. So <laughs> again, I just found there was a little too much of it. Uh, it doesn't take Fair away. Yeah. From me. Again, I I still enjoyed, you know, the scenes with Baldwin and some of the revelations that occur. But because I guess the, I don't know, if it hadn't been there, I would have been just as fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's still, we recommend it. Yes, highly recommend highly it. Highly yeah. recommend it. So that is before you know it. It's playing this weekend on Friday. So. Check insideout.ca for the details. Now, uh, I can tell another one that I saw. So there's a film called Good Kisser, and it's by Wendy Jo Carlton. And it's a very brisk film. I think it's only 70 minutes, 74 minutes. And it has, I guess, what I would say is the very thinnest of premises but it finds a way to stretch it over that running time and and still be rather engaging so it's about this couple um jenna and kate who decide on kate's i guess pushing request whatever you want to call it to go on a date with mia introduce a third person for a, a night of fun and the bulk of the film is watching them go to meet Mia at the house that Mia is staying at and Jenna being a little nervous and starting to question, is this really what she wants? And then the bulk of the film is playing with the whole, will they or won't they? So you see the women as they're getting to know each other, you start to see how the dynamics, like which, you know, Kate clearly wants this more than Jenna does, but does Mia, is Mia really into Kate? as much as she's into Jenna, like, you know, there's triangles that emerge and it, it was really interesting. And I, I found myself compelled by this film, even though again, the premise is you can sum it up in literally a sentence, but it was, I found the characters were engaging and the performances are, are quite good. And the fact that they were able to take this premise and stretch it. And I still wasn't bored at any point. And even when things get, Seekers start to get involved and things occur. I I still felt satisfied by the film. And it's, it's, I want to say it's a little steamy and seductive, but not in a salacious way. Like for me, the flirtation and how that's captured on screen is far more engaging than any possible romantic um, encounters 
that occur, and I thought that was really well done as well. And again, it's a film where, similar um, before you know it, the performances really help elevate mm-hmm. everything. And I, I just thought it was, I was surprised by this one. It, it, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Oh, great. Um, I've got a bit of an oddball one here. Okay. Okay, so um, this is an oddball character, and it's a bit of an oddball film. So uh, some of the other films I saw, they were like, pretty slick mm-hmm. you know things are getting like people are getting financing and they're getting backing and they're, they're putting all that money to good use getting actors professional actors and but also like the cinematography like everything's very luscious yeah. and beautiful cubby it's not that it doesn't care about a beautiful aesthetic but cubby is a film that is <laughs> it's just offbeat and it's it's kind of an oddball film in the comedic way or yeah okay. it, in, in a fun comedic but it's an it's an oddball film because the main character he's as oddball as the film is or the or vice versa the film is mm-hmm. as oddball as he is and the basically um mark blaine is is someone who's known he's the creator of the film and he's someone who's known for kind of going to places where other people don't want to go he had uh, in 2012 he had a book and a play called The Rock and the Ripe and you know it was controversial because of its theme of queer teen suicide oh okay so you know people don't want to go there yeah. right but he went there and now this is his feature film debut and it's about an oddball man he's sort of a man child he does take medication so you're not really sure what's not mm-hmm. quite right about him, but he's very lovable. Um, but there's this weird premise to the film, which is that his mother drops him off in New York City because he said, well, I got a job in New York City working at an art gallery. And so she's like, great. Okay, here you go. Call me. And turns out he has no job in New York City. Oh, okay. So he's, so he's, he's, like, he's starting a new... He's starting a new life, but he's not a bold person. Yeah. He's sort of a confused. I'll, I'm going to use the word oddball a lot in this. Okay, so he's fine. just this confused, and you're not really sure where fantasy and reality sort of stop and start with him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like there's much of a big stop and start, you know, between the two. But somehow he he digs up an old friend from high school or something, and there's an extra room there. And he moves in, but he's still pretending he has this job. Meanwhile, he gets uh, a job with um, babysitting. He's babysitting mm-hmm. a six-year-old, and he does it sort of full time, or as much as you know, as much as you can, with a six-year-old. So, it, but he's still sort of stuck for money. So he's he's in these precarious situations constantly, and people are constantly frustrated with him. And, you know, it even gets to the point where his medication runs out. So he meets this, this uh, one of the roommates is this kind of oddball character who she has this stuff that she created. And when he takes it, everything goes a little weird. And so what's really interesting about the film is he lives in his own mind. He lives through his drawings. He lives in a fantasy world. He has a specific fantasy now that he's in New York City. He has a specific fantasy about a leather guy who, in fact, is, is named Leatherman in his fantasies. And how oh, okay. Leatherman is someone that he's going to find and be happy with. 
Oh, so in terms of like a romantic? Mm, well, it's romantic. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but mostly like it's it's the way that his sexuality is starting to come to the fore where he's yeah. starting to realize and the drawings and stuff. But then what happens with fantasy and reality in the film, because like all this draws us into his point of view. So we're in his point of view of the situation. And what starts happening is that, especially when he takes this roommate's special medicine, um, the drawings start to come out on screen. So what happens is that the the real-life picture that you see starts getting little animated accents on it. Oh, that's interesting. And that, okay. start, that starts to come out even when he has a, an emotional reaction to mm-hmm. something. So it's it's kind of a, like a complicated story. It's simple in a way and kind of complicated in another, and I really like that. And it has this kind of gritty, you never know what's going to happen aesthetic as well, which sort of goes with him. He's kind of a little gritty, but like total sweetheart. Interesting. So without divulging too much, is it similar to, I don't know if you saw Madeline's Madeline? No. So Madeline's Madeline is about this young girl who clearly has some mental health issues and she seems to find um i guess her her safe space is this theater troupe which is headed by molly parker and the whole film madeline kind of weaves in and out of it starts the lines between fantasy and reality blur frequently Mm -hmm. and it's really a study. The film itself is a study of not only mental health issues, but also how people tend to react to them. And in the case of Molly Parker, take advantage of it because Molly Parker uses her as inspiration for this great play she's creating. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, it, but it's a, it's a really interesting film. I, I highly recommend people seek it out. It's probably on. DVD by now. But, it sounds great. Yeah, but I so it sounds like a companion. Yeah, piece. so yeah. I was wondering if if they touch on if if there's mental uh, um, health issues that they overtly touch on, or because you said he's taking medication, but yeah, they just and he's, they, and they he, never exp- quite delve into it. Though, they right? don't quite okay. delve right into it, but he needs that medication. Okay, and things start to unravel, but he, he sort of was kind of fragile to begin with, mm-hmm. and so. The, the film, if the, the trajectory of the film is really like the what happens when he's in this situation, it, the reality starts getting a bit um, it invades on his fantasy. He, he doesn't have room for his fantasy life because he actually has the reality of people demanding rent. But mm-hmm. and because he can't afford rent, he can't afford the pills, and also his mother always took care of it. But oh, she's right. in Indiana. Yeah. And he does want to admit that he... And he doesn't, doesn't want to yeah. admit it, right? So the whole thing is like, the blur, yes, the blurring mm-hmm. of fantasy and reality. His reality coming to the screen. So, yes, there's definite hints about mental health, nothing specific. Um, but there's also... A, it, it's, it's a film about facing reality. Okay. Or how it comes to a circumstance where... He he has to face reality and how he keeps escaping it. Like right, whenever when in doubt, he goes to to Leatherman. He goes to a Leatherman fantasy, right? And so the film sort of like things get more and more dire oh, okay. until you see how it re- gets resolved. 
Interesting. That sounds very fascinating. It is, yeah. It's, it's different, yeah. So that's Cubby, and that's playing on Sunday afternoon. Uh, InsideOut.ca. Yes, that's where you can get the whole list of films and showtimes and ticket information. Uh, the last one I'll talk about is a documentary. We, we talk a lot about um, fiction, but this one is a film, a documentary short entitled uh, Dykes in the Streets, and it was directed by Amorinda Travasos, and it's a film that looks at the, um, I guess, the inaugural dyke march back in 1981 and it talks about how in that this the summer of 1981 how 300 women took to young street um in a time where just being a a visible lesbian was damaging to them like it, it could not only be threaten their safety but you know people would threaten to take away their children they could potentially lose jobs this is a time when you know if you were quote unquote out in the military you were kicked out of the military and also it was a time of I guess extreme right wing conservatism was on the rise again in the United States and there was I think it was Anita Bryant she was a right wing um, activist who was very much peddling in homophobic rhetoric. So all of this is going on. And you also had the gay bathhouse raids um, going on in Toronto. And these women took to the, to the streets to protest that. So this documentary looks at 1981 as the starting point. And then it looks at the parade or sorry, the March in 1991, 10 years later. And you, you they keep talking to people that were involved in those years and to see kind of what has changed. So by 91, things are a bit better. You know, you could say people are getting comfortable. They're able to be out a little more, but then they cut to 1996 and you start to see, well, the movement isn't as unified as it was. And then they also look at 2016. So you have four different points and you kind of see the evolution of the March, its importance, but also the issues, how some issues were addressed and others were not and now in 2016 with the the era of trump again you have a lot of you know right-wing views that are threatening to to curb people's um liberty to to live the life the way they want so it's it's very fascinating especially like the early years compared to what's going on now and they talk about how you know black lives matter plays an important role now and I know a lot of people will think back to the parade I think it was maybe two years ago 2016 when there was a big kerfuffle of Black Lives Matter um, they stopped the parade, they stopped the parade and, yeah. and in this film they, they kind of touch on that because they say that you know these organizations are important not only because they're bringing fresh takes to political activism but they're also standing up for the transgender the disabled and you know as a community as a whole these are issues that the the march and um, the women need to start addressing and kind of like they even talk about privilege to a certain extent how as the movement kept growing it became kind of dominated by white women and their issues and like there's just a lot of different facets which is interesting because that mirrors society yeah it it does it's, uh, feminism 
feminism in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to see it over those four periods and what some women are like, yes, this works. This is what we need to work on as they're going through. It's, it's a very fascinating and obviously timely based yeah. on a look at its importance, but how there's still a long way to go for women of you know, all types to truly feel equal and free, especially in, in this society. And to com- compact that all into, I think it was like 37 minutes, it's you know, uh, a, a really well-done job. Wow, it sounds like quite the accomplishment, though, to, mm-hmm. to get to the point where now it gives you a richer view of all the issues. Yeah. And it's like, the, it, it, does it show that basically the, the march is as relevant as it ever was? Yeah, yeah. And, and with every each of the four years that they talk about, you do see the march and how it's grown, the different type of people that are there. There are some people that were, you know, in 1991, think back to 1981, and they're like, oh, yes, I was part of that, and... You know, how fr- liberating it was, but also how much we were afraid for our lives because you're marching down the street and all these strangers are, are looking at you. Until, and as you see, it moves up and it's more of a, a big, joyous event by 2016, but there's still a lot of different issues going on. And Yeah, and the opening up of, of the whole the whole dyke march to, to the fact that there's other issues now mm-hmm. and there are other people who need to speak. Yeah, and, it, and it, in the end, it shows you the importance of of the march and why you still need to have it. Mm-hmm. And the, just the idea of you, you can never be comfortable or lax when you're fighting for equality until you truly have it because until everybody truly has until, it. Cause right? sometimes you get a particular issue that's important to you and you're like, okay, life is good. And not realizing that a, there's always people willing to take away that freedom that you have. And B there's other people who, aren't experiencing that freedom that could need your support, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, again, it's a very well done. I, I, I do wish some of the interviews with the people who were involved in the parade in the various stages was filmed slightly different because they're all kind of the same where you get either archival footage of people talking about the parade or they'll have someone in a room and you'll see like in the background images going. I just wish there was a little more stylistic flair to it, but... Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's the message that's really important. So right. I, I was willing to, to let that go. Wow. That sounds like a fascinating one. So what's that called again? Uh, Dykes in the Street. Okay. I believe it's playing on Saturday. Okay. And, and the fact that it's so relevant for today and it's, it's, it's got such currency. Mm-hmm. Interesting how it, we randomly chose the, <laughs> the films in the order that we're talking about them in. And it leads perfectly into... Yep. My final film, which is a fiction called The Garden Left Behind. It won an audience award at South by Southwest this past year. And it's playing on Sunday evening, so insideout.ca. And The Garden Left Behind, actually, there's another thing I should tell you about it. It's the first independent film to be funded substantially through donations and sales via eBay. Oh, really? Talk about creativity. eBay, not even like Kickstarter. That's Wow, interesting. Donations and sales. Interesting, eh? Anyway, so um, it traces the relationship between uh, a young Mexican trans woman named Tina and her grandmother, who I'm going to just call Abuela because that's that's what she's called by everybody. Um, So it's their relationship because they live together. Abuela, Abuela basically raised Tina. Um, Abuela is still calling her Antonio. 
even though mm-hmm. she's uh, she's she's trying to transition. To, yeah, she's yep. trying to transition, and so uh, a lot of the film is about their relationship. A lot of the film is about Tina's journey, and a lot of the film is about uh, some of the realities of transitioning, which you know, being approved for the procedure, mm-hmm. and you know, she has to go see a psychiatrist. Um, played by Ed Asner. So it's like, oh, you know, okay. some of the big shots are yeah. like really supporting indie film, which is great. Um, so, and they, they're originally from Mexico, and Abuela still talks about Mexico all the time, and she, you know, how much better it is, because mm-hmm. they're struggling. And, and Tina, really, it, she's the, as she puts it, she makes the money, Abuela takes care of the house. Yeah. And so she's really struggling to make a living in New York City, of all places, of course, right? Um, but she has a group of uh, women, tra- transgender women, who, they're an advocacy group, but they're also like, really good friends to her, very supportive to her and to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're especially strong when something happens to, you know, what, what they say, you know, one of their own. Because yeah. something does happen in the film to someone and, you know, they're out there fighting. And uh, so anyway, so Tina is facing a lot of pressure, including immigration. She's not legal. They're not. Le- her and Abuela are not mm-hmm. legal. So there's the. the and then there's, suddenly there's these costs that come with going to, you know, even approaching the process of transitioning. Yeah, it's a very expensive. Yeah, and so she, and she suddenly it's the way it's portrayed. It's like a very heartless system where it's like, okay, so the next time you come back for your needed mm-hmm. uh, procedure or uh, your treatment, right? You have to bring the entire amount of money, or we won't proceed in cash. Uh, so it, you yeah. know, it's 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 kind of. But despite all that, her relationship with Abuela is amazing. It's, it's, she's so charming. Both of them are like Abuela's adorable. Tina's absolutely charming and loving with with her, um, and the, you know the camaraderie amongst all the trans women and the whole community, you know, is just it's so strong. It's so loving. Um, again, this is this is a film that's really good at establishing character. It really does it very quickly. And it uses all the elements of, of film, including like vivid colors, and, and, and you'll you have to see the film to understand yeah. why vivid colors just just it's just the way it draws you in. It enhances everything. Yeah. yeah, it just enhances everything, and and it's sort of like it, it just adds a depth. The way it's shot, it's beautifully shot. The, the vivid colors, it just adds a depth. It's like an emotional right, but there's also like like an immediacy that comes from the fact that it's a handheld camera so it's kind of like a little unsteady so that adds like a tension underneath all that beauty right and that coincides with the tension in the narrative that starts coming out right um and so it really is a portrait of tina like in the shooting style things really start we start seeing it from her point of view because it's a hard life right for her and things don't go exactly as she wants in in all these regards, but uh, I just fell in love with Tina, and I I don't think I'd be the only one. That it just mm-hmm. the film makes you fall in love with Tina, the actor. Is she's incredible? She's this is the most amazing performance, and uh, we're we're lured into her reality, um, and so we see the beauty, but we also see the reality, and it's when the reality kicks in 
that my heart was broken. I, I just have to warn you. It, okay, it's, it's, I have to warn you. It's got graphic violence. Yeah, but it's still it's still worth. It's worth an amazing seeing. film. Okay. I, I would say this is like don't miss this one. Mm-hmm. Do not miss. Um, you will you will be very sad if you miss the gar- garden left behind because it's an incredible experience. Like one of the the most memorable I've ever had with a with a character. Oh, that's great! I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Yeah, yeah. So and see, we only we were only talking about just a few of them. Yeah, and that's what in, InsideOut.ca is the uh, the place where you can go and get further information on all the films that are playing and tickets and showtimes. Okay, so I guess that's it for Frameline. All right, see you next week.